Welcome to Stories of COVID, the interview project that explores what it's like to experience a global pandemic. I never thought I would see this in my lifetime. It is scary and it's very real, but it's not hopeless. As I said, I changed three planes. None of them were wearing any gloves or masks. I've never seen so much support for freelancers or artists in the in the media um, as I have now. They both laid me off from just the advent of the, the outbreak. I'm anthropologist and author Veronica Kieran, and I am building an interview archive of stories and anecdotes that define this time in history to write a book preserving this experience for future generations. If you'd like to help preserve this moment in history for future generations, check out the show notes to sign up for an interview. Kirsten Beck lives in New Zealand. At the time of her interview, the second wave in New Zealand, of only a few cases, was ending, and she described how they were getting through and how the government had responded very well to managing the pandemic. The virus had just been made public, or they, they um, on the newspapers and, and such. That was, I think, November or December last last year, when it was still in Wuhan in in, in China, and they were talking that about kind of blocking the whole city. How has it changed? Well, there are many many things playing into that. At at the beginning, you always think or you always hope that this is something that can be contained quickly and eradicated. Like years ago, we had SARS, um, the the bird flu, and and that seemed to be a similar one, but it was easier and faster to eradicate, basically. Then the second reaction was, I think I was quite angry, to be honest, because this was a human designed virus basically and this has been not like like the plague or something but this has been basically caused by humans because of their uh, greed for money and the disrespect of other living beings like animals and kind of the cruelty how animals are bred or kept and slaughtered and raised and then of course consumed and we don't need to (laughs) basically that's that's the the other thing so that was a certain amount of anger that uh, this kind of thing started in an area where the welfare of animal doesn't count at all and it's been inflicted on everyone else other places are not guilty of doing the same thing because if you look at factory farming for example um similar conditions but china seems to be um quite bad in in that regard so um yeah so so i was a bit angry and say how how dare they you know (laughs) and uh not just for myself because in a way you know say yeah that's the world kind of the world just trying to show us um guys you're basically killing us off we have to fight back and then later on looking at all the 
different effects that the lockdown had on nature, like turtles were returning to the beaches and people could see the Himalayas again through, the smog was gone and um, all that. Animals claiming back space with, they're actually better off without us. <laughs> so, <laughs> unless we uh, kind of, they, there's no other animal kind of very crudely said shits in their own nest like we do so yeah so in a way i said okay maybe it's meant to be to this is a very very severe warning of being more mindful that we are just part of a bigger system I've, i'm always of the opinion that in the challenge there are always opportunities so that when we are placed with different challenges like the lockdown, for example, there are a lot of people who are complaining. And I do understand that some people are living in very cramped conditions. We, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to live in a beautiful place, in a beautiful house. That people are just not seeing the opportunities and actually acting to do something that improves their situation. For example, they could see this as a time for bonding with their family and maybe making new connections virtually and introducing exercise regimes because they're not traveling to work every day and they've got possibly a couple of hours more in the day. So, but, but, they, but a lot of people, they just moan, that's not quite right. On the other hand, of course, there are many businesses that suffer because of this virus, uh, kind of cafes, restaurants shutting down and other viruses, uh, other businesses that depend on face-to-face -face interaction and people being able to travel around. So I see that aspect as well, that economically it kind of affects us quite badly. But on the other hand, I also see that if people would start thinking out of the box a little bit, they could actually do something and act instead of just sitting and waiting so it's a maybe it's a bit um insensitive to say that but it's it's a good reminder that you have it in your own hand to what you're going to do where you're going to be and what you can achieve so if one thing is not working then, as Einstein said, keep doing the same thing is the definition of insanity. Unfortunately, quite a lot of people are insane in that respect. But so experiencing that, for me, it was good with my family. We, we've kind of come closer again. We picked up playing board games. We kind of working out every day. And I've got two teenage kids. And actually, uh, actually we kind of are quite competitive. And um, so that's been quite good we're cooking together we actually enjoy that as well and it's been a bit hard because everyone's working from home and then the as, as we can see now with the internet um the internet problems <laughs> because everyone's using the internet but i have i'm lucky to have been working from home before and i'm um so it wasn't a big change for me in that respect. My husband, I could see it has impacted him more because he used to travel quite a lot for work and he misses seeing his team. 
so it, that's also understandable and i also see the effect that has on uh, on people when you look at um, domestic violence rates going up suicide rates going up that we haven't got the support systems in place that we need for people who cannot help themselves and who cannot kind of just dust themselves off and, and get on with it and, and are maybe not thinking out of the box and say okay I'm stuck with in this situation for now how can I make it better for me it hasn't been too bad I mean my kids they miss their friends but they're pretty good they do their own stuff um, they still got schoolwork to do I think my my son hasn't practiced his guitars as much as in as he's doing now in, in years so that's a pretty good out outcome uh, well in New Zealand we've got two more no, three more days of what they call level three that's almost full lockdown we've got full uh, four levels and um, so we are supposed to go out only for essentials like shopping, um, visits to the doctors and uh, exercising and then not traveling far. So, for example, we can't travel out of Auckland. Um, there are also roadblocks and controls set up. Yes, things like you can get takeaways, but every, every service has to be contact free. Then um now they have introduced face masks as well which is fine I don't understand people moaning about wearing face masks for an hour so it's it's pretty rigid that you cannot do a lot of things but on the other hand you can do everything you need to do so new zealand had conquered the virus but then there are people returning to new zealand from abroad and um, the process is that they go into a quarantine facility and stay there for two weeks. Now this, this process, first of all, with the air travel, then people going into these quarantine facilities um, and staying there, there are flaws in the process. And that's something that, that had to be worked out first. And so I think, these processes are not perfect yet and that's um, how the virus could escape basically from someone who came into New Zealand. Then it's very very quick to spread because um, it spread through a community that I think it's a lower socio-economic level and they kind of are very very strong on family and friends and church so unfortunately that was not someone who's sitting on his own lifestyle plot but that's someone who's going to see wider family and friends and going to church on sunday so you know and then going on on holiday and to a major tourist attraction and nicely spreading it there at every um point they could and also through the workplace so that was also a little bit unfortunate but i think they have taken this very very seriously the government and is doing all the contact tracing for example we have these little posters so every time you go shopping and or go to pick up a one of a, a curry or something you have to or you should scan um the poster in the window of that shop so that they can trace where you've been at, at what time so should 
there be a new occurrence, they can immediately kind of see which people have been in, in whatever in, in, in the shop at the same time. Again, it's a new situation and the processes need to need to be developed and tested first. And I think that was that was the problem that uh, processes in place, they hadn't been as good as they would have been after a longer period. It, it had there has been have been positive effects as I mentioned, like the family getting a bit closer, spending more time together, whatever, cooking together, watching some programs together, doing board games and exercise and all that kind of stuff. So that's been quite good. Um, on the other hand, it, it, it's also clear that um, people have changed, and I've I've also seen when you kind of come across people. Out, outside when you go shopping or something. There's some people who are in a state of, of panic that they are rude and they just push past you and in, in, the, in the shops are rude when they tell someone else to back off because they're closer than two meters and, and, and things like that. So that's an effect on the other hand there are very very many people who are kind and who are understanding and who are adapting to the situations there have been some nice kind of neighborhood activities resulting from this neighbor neighborhood help as well when for example an elderly couple that shouldn't go shopping that other neighbors pick up their shopping list and go shopping for them and, and stuff like that so that's been good. Um, I've, I've got more time in my day because I don't need to drive the kids around. On the other hand, of, of course, they miss out on all their social activities and their sports and the other sports they're doing and, and their friends at school. So the, the virtual contact doesn't compensate the actual contact with friends. Oh, it's, it's playing a huge role. I mean, there are different aspects. I mean, Zoom, is, Zoom for one is and has been really, really good. All sorts of online communication tools, also messaging, all sorts of different messaging challenges. Then, you know, something as, as small as a fitness app for, for people who don't want to come out of lockdown and be 30 kilos heavier. The technology aspects then of course uh, things like Netflix has also played a big role and I spoke with a with a young mother the other day and she said oh I never wanted Netflix but you know working from home with two little kids I have to have it I have to use it I mean that's kind of part of the <laughs> uh, being able to work and then of course online school schooling New Zealand has been or the schools my kids are going to have been very very quick to adapt and I think that's quite phenomenal how quickly they have switched from an in-class face-to-face teaching to online teaching. And also in a way that parents, my kids are older, they're teenagers, but that they, the parents don't need to do too much. So that the kids are pretty much self-managing. That's been really, really good. So I think New Zealand has been good with that. I, I know from other countries that's Different. I've got a friend in the US and, and she um, has a terrible time because it's, it's not that good and she has to basically take over the teaching. Whereas here, um, the teachers, they are online with them every day. They've got their normal lessons. They've got to do their homework and it's all 
online. But we were lucky that when they went to secondary school, that was already quite modern. There was an, they were testing that a few years back um, to move to a virtual environment and to make everything online based, all the, the lessons and everything there. So they had they had a good foundation to do that, yeah. And my daughter, for example, she's at the senior high school, which is basically like preparing them for university where they teach them to learn independently. So for them, the switch was even easier. There are a few things that um, she's missing out, like some chemistry labs and, and stuff like that, that they can't do at the moment. But all the other teaching is delivered online and it's delivered well. So, yeah, that, we are lucky in that respect, but I totally see how that can affect other people um, where, where the schools haven't prepared for, for going online in, in, a, in a better way for kind of doing that more and have stayed a bit more traditional. So, so those schools are naturally struggling. And I also think that in the workplace, there's a big culture shift now that um, before it's always been the case that you can't trust people. You have to see them working to trust that they're really achieving something. And now everyone's working from home and you see, oh my goodness, people possibly get more done because they're able to focus because there are not so many distractions and interruptions. And that also that you need to be able to trust your people. And that's, that's something which I find quite significant, that bosses are now forced to trust their staff. And if they can't trust their staff, they have to realize that there's something wrong with their work culture. We've got a guy in our road, it's an uh, elderly man who was uh, in the armed forces in his earlier days and he plays the trumpet quite well so when we were in full level four lockdown that was in, in summer still here in new zealand so he got out onto the road every morning and played his trumpet and his neighbor she always recorded what he was playing and posted it on our local road facebook group so that was something really nice and then uh, we had Anzac Day. I don't know whether you know Anzac Day. There's the Australian New Zealand Forces Memory Day. So that's, there's always a kind of celebration which, which the Kiwis take quite, quite seriously. So they organized an Anzac Day celebration on an empty field, big field, so that people could do their distancing, their social distancing. So there's this guy, he was leading that commemoration day and he was playing, he was holding a little speech and people, they brought their animals as well. Those animals that originally helped in the war. So there were lots of donkeys and horses and dogs. And that was a, that was a really, really nice thing that wouldn't have happened in that particular format if it hadn't been for COVID. Thank you for listening. Subscribe so that you don't miss an interview. I interview multiple people a week and I am releasing these episodes as fast as I can. And if the story meant something to you, share it because it will probably mean something to someone else. 
Every time you share the project, it helps the project grow. So thank you. Until next time, stay safe, stay well. <laughs>